a nice beat. Beat Mason. It's all cozy. Let's get warm. There's snow on the streets. It's time to flow on some beats. It's been a while. What's new, yo? Cause since last we spoke, had a lot of laughs and jokes. Tried to remember them, but only like half a rope. Down on a paper, napkin, or laptop. If you're asking for raps, here's some mad props. Hope you got your wish list for Christmas. But if not, you don't need a reason to gift give. I just came to spit fresh and shoot the business. Hang with you, share the news, and kick it. Cause truth is, it's been a minute since we did it, but we don't quit it. Here's another free ticket to the podcast. Gonna play some jams. Why do they call sweet potatoes yams? I don't know. That's a non sequitur question for answering. I'm working out, hammering as I'm yammering and i use this grammar with syntax sometimes stammer not a door slammer in the hall like kramer your rap neighbor video gamer no pager but i got a lot of pages a mad rhymes through the ages your favorite like a day of fun to play in the sun can't believe 2016 is done 2017 i knew we'd get here eventually because that's how years work generally through the centuries i'm on a train of thought do my best to not complain a lot Cause every day there's just too many cool things You got no time to hear what the fools bring, right? You don't, time is precious Like Smeagol, yes, you guessed it And fresh is how I like my produce In the snow, you shouldn't wear no shoes Here in Canada it's pretty cold So I'm rapping with hot coffee to hold It's nice, roasted, medium blend On the weekends I like meeting with friends Seeing movies, eating some chip and dip What? I'm a human, I live a bit So let's all keep doing the best we can To show love to every woman and man And then I can guarantee personally That if you use common sense and courtesy Certainly, well you'll be sure to be Welcome back every time to Weekend at Bergie's See, it's episode 24 You want good times? We got plenty more In store Like a convenience one What? <laughs> um, now you're seeing fun. <laughs> they can't all be gold like Olympians. What's up? I'm SJ, the word Bergala. You can call me Bergie, and this is a weekend at my place for you and all of us. Welcome back to the podcast, gang. I know it's been a while, but I'm glad to have you here to hang. This beat's just so smooth. Shout out once again to Beat Mason. Shout out to all of you. It is a new year, 2017. I feel, I feel good about this year. I feel like a lot of good things can happen. Let's just be positive. Let's just stay focused. Let's just keep having fun. Keep smiling. Keep being nice to humans. Keep being good. All that jazz, right? That's what we gotta do. There's a lot of reasons to get excited. I'm excited. I'm working on some new music, new comics. The channel Halifax video dropped since last I spoke. Thanks to all of you for checking it out. If you haven't seen it yet, please tune in. Kaylee McLennan did an amazing job with that. Peter Project on the beat. Nikki Lee helped me out. So many people helped me out on that video. And, uh, and you guys did too with all the support. So that dropped. I'm just catching up on things since it's been so long. The NARC video is definitely cooking. I have seen some advanced screenshots, and they look very good, so stay tuned. I'm hoping in the next, uh, hopefully the next couple months, realistically. Last Paper Route 2 is coming very soon. I will tell you as soon as I have an exact date. 
But that is looking amazing. Dave Howlett knocking it out of the park. Alex and I are, are just having a ton of fun making that comic. It's the best, making a comic with your friends and then actually liking it. Like, I can't wait to read it. Issue three is, oh, if four, the, it's going to be really good. I'm really hoping that two is going to be out in the spring and then we're aiming for three to drop at Decaf in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, August 2017. So look forward to that, please. February 18th, I'm playing at Handlebar for the $5 rap show with more or less. Fresh Kill's going to be joining us with Prem Rock, and we got a whole bunch of other guests lined up. You know the $5 rap show, it's always a great time. Handlebar in Toronto, you got to be there. Some of you may have noticed that a really crazy thing happened. A video dropped featuring myself and Mega Ran with... A living legend, one of my favorite rappers of all time, Cool Keith. It's called Space Defense Team. Go check it out. Very excited. If you go to wordburglar.com, there's a link to the video right there. That was a honestly, that's a rap dream come true for me to rap on a track with Cool Keith. I've had the honor of meeting him a couple times, and he's uh, he's a legend. He's he's the best. He's unique. He's very very interesting, fascinating incredibly talented one-of-a-kind individual and I can't shower enough praise upon the god cool Keith and my man Mega Ram for hooking up that track and making it all come together I mean I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of it so go check it out the extended version of the song is on Mega Ram's album Random RNDM so make sure you get that so much going on there's Channel Halifax vinyl too right I told you about that Black Buffalo Records, check it out, blackbuffalo.ca. I don't want to do all that. You know, that's all the hype stuff, keeping you keeping you up to date. I am definitely working on some new music. Meeting up with a bunch of the Backburner crew this weekend, actually, as you're hearing this. I'm probably hanging out and getting a little silly at uh, a rap camp session going down with a handful of people in town. We'll have more to report on that next time. I've been catching up on TV. Watched the OA. Have you seen the OA yet? That show. Okay, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to even tell you anything about it, except that I absolutely loved it and couldn't stop watching it. Go binge it. It's on Netflix. The creators made a movie a few years ago called Another Earth, which you may have seen. I love that movie. This show, it's not for the faint of heart. It's, it's weird. It's creepy. It's scary. Don't watch it with the kids. Don't watch it with uh, people who can't handle shows about abduction. The OA, intense. Documentaries, I watched Tickled. Shout out. My man, Alex Kennedy. Oh man, Tickled is a weird doc uh, about underground tickling uh, ring. It's, it's too weird. I don't even know if I can suggest that you watch it. It's, it was weird. And I watched the Image Comics documentary that Dave Halleck gave me. Dude, thank you, Dave. I loved it. If you want to know about the rock and roll comic superstars of the 90s, Tom McFarlane, Eric Larson, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Will Spertacio, Jim Valentino, Mark Silvestri, and that whole Image crazy revolution that happened when they all left Marvel Comics to start their own comic company. It's it's amazing. If you're a comic book fan, go track that down. Love the Image Comics Revolution. It is hilarious. It's insightful. I mean, it felt like it took me back to that time when 
your only source of information for comics was Wizard Magazine and the hype machine that that entailed. And these guys, they were ballsy and they just went out, threw out all these comics, some decent, some not very decent. But the story is amazing. And I love Image Comics today. 25 years later, the majority of the comics I read every month are by Image Comics. Still reading Savage Dragon. Still giving props to Jim Lee. Uh, I enjoy any time I get a chance to hear McFarlane or Liefeld speak. Definitely go check it out. And check out, speaking of Dave, check out Dave and Rochelle's podcast, Living Between Wednesdays. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's my favorite comic book podcast. I've been a guest on there a few times, and it's just a great show if you uh, if you haven't heard about that yet from us here. Favorite doc, though, I think of 2016 was the Stretch and Bobbito doc, all about Stretch and Bobbito and their amazing hip-hop radio show in the 90s that broke the careers of so many insane underground artists. If you love rap, even an iota of how much I love rap, you're, this doc is going to blow your mind. It's, it's incredible. And, and watching that show reminded me of listening to The Basement Show, which was a college radio show in Halifax. I know I've talked about it here on the podcast before. Many of you know what I'm talking about, but my friends and I used to always tune in and listen to this show on the radio, and it, was, it really was our source to hear all this new rap that was coming out in the 90s, and obviously we know that was a golden era for amazing hip-hop artists. And the Stretch and Bobbito show, it was like, it was just a reflection of, of that time and that era. Must watch, track it down, it's called Radio That Changed Lives. And if you don't know who Stretch and Bobbito are, that doesn't matter. You're going to watch it and you're going to, Nas is in it, Cool Keith is in it, on and on and on. There's great stories about Souls of Mischief, about Wu-Tang, about Biggie, Jay-Z. Like, it's just, it, it's on and on and on. You're, you're going to be nodding your head and smiling, which is what good music should make you do, right? Right. Speaking of good music, like I said or did not say, this episode, it's, it's, we're just getting warmed up. It's the start of the new year. It's going to be kind of a little mixtape episode, so going to work in a couple jams. I want to play some jams. My pal Jesse Dangerously has dropped a new release. It actually came out a couple months back, but I've been meaning to, to play something from it. The album's called Danger Grove, and it's, it's a team-up that he made with producer Eli Grove. And this is a remix of one of my favorite Jesse Dangerously songs of late. It's the Pumpkin Spice Latte song. You've probably heard of it. And stay tuned because Mili Sashimi is here, my favorite human. And she and I saw Rogue One opening night, and we're going to share our thoughts with you on that. So buckle up and get ready for some fun. And right now, here's uh, let's just play a little jam, little Jesse Dangerously. And go back and listen to his interview on the podcast. He was on an earlier episode, and we had a great chat if you haven't found that one yet. So go listen to all the episodes. All right, we'll be back at you right after this. Pumpkin spice glazed ham, pumpkin spice potatoes, pumpkin spice stays 
it, pumpkin spice cologne on my throat. And pumpkin shower product, pumpkin spice narcotic on the corner. Pumpkin spice pot, orange lights and sirens, that's the pumpkin spice cap on the pumpkin spice block. Bumpkin smashing pumpkin tapes, pumpkin spice bootlegs, smashing pumpkin pumpkin slangs. What's his name? Doesn't say. Pumpkin spice on foreign foods, pumpkin eggs, Benedict. Pumpkin spice, orange juice, spice up the boring oozy. What's that guy in line for? Midnight sale at Apple Store. Pumpkin spice iPhone. Hate it, then you love it. That's a pumpkin spice rom com. Make it out in public with the pumpkin spice condom. Okay, shorty, let me tell you about my only vice. It's got to do with lots of pumpkins, and it's called pumpkin spice. Okay, shorty, let me tell you about my only vice. It's got to do with lots of pumpkins, and it's called pumpkin spice. Okay, shorty, let me tell you about my only vice. It's got to do with lots of pumpkins, and it's called pumpkin spice. Okay, shorty, let me tell you about my only vice. It's got to do with lots of pumpkins, and it's called pumpkin spice. Could you see me now? She'd be so overcome with grief and then proceed to frown. It's 
the jack of all trades and the master of none. That was Tommy V, and right before that we heard the rap legend Jesse Dangerously with the Pumpkin Spice Latte song. That Tommy V track I had to play, Son of a Gun, that was for, I did a lot of shows uh, in 2016, and I got to play with a lot of different performers, meet a lot of different acts. Tommy V, heads may remember him from the Shapeshifters, late 90s, early 2000s. He was down with that whole scene. I got to meet him in Austin in March, and he was a cool, cool dude, and he did that song live with the yodeling, and it got stuck in my head, and uh, I just wanted to hear that, and I thought you might too, you know? That's what this is about. It's stuff I like that I think you might also like. Like I've been playing a little Nintendo lately. Literally, it's a little Nintendo. It's like the size of a baby shoes shoe box. If you can imagine how big that would be, that's about the size. You've, you've seen this thing, right? The mini Nintendo, the mini NES. If you don't know what it is, they crammed 30 games onto this thing. It was like 79 bucks. Best 79 bucks I have spent in recent memory. And the only problem is I don't have enough time to play all the games on it. Lately, I've been digging into Star Tropics, which is crazy that like I never played Star Tropics as a kid there's a lot of games on there like Mega Man 2 I used to Peter Whitby and I used to kill that game we would play that game for hours shout out Peter like you remember Mega Man 2 yeah you I know yeah I'm playing it I can do it with my eyes closed you know the order of, of who to go to first you know you go to Flash Man you go to Wood Man you go to Metal Man sometimes you switch up that combo then then you kind of hop around. Are you gonna go? You gonna go to Air Man next? I don't know. You gonna do Heat Man with those blocks that disappear? It's tricky. It's tricky. But I'm having a lot of fun with the Mini Nintendo. If you can find one, I recommend it. People were, are complaining that it's only got 30 games on it. But you know what? Back in the day, 70 bucks was what one game could cost you. So paying 70 bucks for 30 games, yeah, they're not all winners. Okay, <laughs> I know. All right. I'm looking at you, Ice Climber. But uh, uh, it's got some fun stuff. Dr. Mario you could play for hours. It's got Final Fantasy. It's got Legend of Zelda. It's got Link. It's got the Marios. It's got the Castlevanias. It's got the Ninja Gaidens. Doesn't have baseball stars, so I like that one. I've got so many really, really great memories of this. I'm just, like, flooded with uh, awesome nostalgia. Nostalgia, if you will. And it's... It's the best gift. I, I Basically, this is my birthday slash Christmas gift to myself. And I picked it up the day it came out. Got really lucky because I know they're scarce. Uh, if you've been looking for one and people have been asking me to keep an eye out, I know a lot of my friends didn't get one. I got lucky because the week before it came out, I was calling around just like the local video game stores and everyone said, look, we don't know how many we're getting. There's apparently going to be a huge shortage. The only way that we can say you might get one is if you show up the day of its release. 
So I got up super early on Friday morning, lined up at the video game store. I was fourth in line, and they only got 16, and there was like 25 people in line. And so there was a lot of disappointed, let's say... 30 to 50 year olds who were waiting in line for this thing uh and i got lucky and i also was able to get a second controller let me just stop on for one second they're exactly like the old school nes like the start and select button have that rubbery feel the buttons it's the response is crazy i can't tell you if you played 8-bit nintendo you're gonna lose your mind you're gonna be so excited I I didn't know what to do. When I opened it up, I plugged it in right away. Mealy was here. We started playing. She loved Bubble Bobble. We, uh, I introduced her to Dr. Mario. She'd never played that. Then I hopped on to Star Tropics. Now, that's a game that I had read about in Nintendo Power Magazine, and I don't think I'd ever played. I don't know anyone who had it. You know, back in the day, if you didn't know someone who owned a game and your local video store didn't rent that game, and you didn't own that game, there was no way for you to see this game in action. I couldn't just go on YouTube and watch people. I couldn't go on and see people playing through the game. I didn't know. You don't know how this was. I know I always talk about that, but I know people know what I'm talking about. So uh, some of these games remain in mystery to me. Obviously, through the years, I've gone back and played a lot of these games. For whatever reason, Star Tropics has eluded me. And it's super fun. Weird RPG game. You are a kid who is a baseball player who goes to visit his uncle on a mysterious island. And your uncle is missing. And the locals on the island start telling you to go underground and fight monsters with a yo-yo. And if that's not a premise for an 80s Japanese video game, (laughs) I don't know what is. But it is good. The only other thing that right now I wish they had included, and maybe they did, they just haven't explained it fully yet, is a way to expand on this. Now, the back of the system has a USB input. So I, I think they're, there's rumors that there's a way that you might be able to upgrade and get more games. Or Nintendo, since there's such a shortage right now, I think they're just going to reissue a newer version of this with upgraded games. I would love to see DuckTales if they do another one. I love Baseball Stars. That would be a great game. Mega Man 3, I'd put on if they do a new one. Bionic Commando, the first Contra, if they can do that. Blaster Master, Blades of Steel, get some hockey on there. The two G.I. Joe games are really good, critically slept on. As a G.I. Joe fan, I know you think I'm biased. They're good games. Uh, The first one came out through Taxan, and then Capcom released the second one. They're pretty hard to find. Uh, Definitely give them a look. Kind of connected to G.I. Joe because Larry Hama created this character, but Bucky O'Hare, that game is the bomb. If you can find it, Konami, that's a rare game. Check it out. Astinax. Shout out Peter Whippy again. Peter and I used to play that. Uh, Batman, the Batman game was good. Marble Madness, I really liked. Goonies 2, really difficult, but really catchy. And one of the first Nintendo games I ever rented, back when you rented games, it's Video Villa. Remember Video Villa? Yep. <laughs> of course you don't. Nobody remembers Video Villa. There was one. <laughs> and then it became Super Video. Video Villa, it was 
Anyway, that's where I got my early Nintendo game. I'm telling you, I'm going on such a trip right now. Goonies 2 was, it made no sense because there was only one Goonies movie. But again, as a kid, you don't know. I see a video game Goonies 2. Then I started looking for a movie Goonies 2 because I liked the Goonies 1 movie. So I, I was like, how could they make a video game if there's no nothing to base it on? Was there? A, is, there's no other Goonies movie. So I thought the only way I could know what happened to these characters, the evolution of these characters I loved in Goonies was to play the Goonies 2 video game. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> really hard. Man, that game was hard, but I loved the music, and it was super, it was fun. So Goonies 2, I'd put on there. Maniac Mansion. You could put a hamster in the microwave. Who puts a hamster in the microwave, especially when you're seven? But you would if you did, if you had Maniac Mansion. <laughs> so those, obviously, the Nintendo library, there are hundreds of games out there. Caveman Games, I think of. Shout out Tom T, the Caveman Games champion of Nova Scotia. <laughs> I remember you love that game, Tom. Uh, Narc which might have to just be put on there for me and the three other people who beat my high score eventually. POW was good. That River City Ransom. Ah, so many games. So many games. Nintendo should just do like the Retrendo and just put all their games on one of these systems, plug it in, which reminds me, I think I left my NARC cartridge at Peter Project's place. So, uh... Note to self, gotta look that up. Anyway, that is my lengthy Nintendo review for you. I hope you dug it. If you have any other questions, shoot us an email at the podcast. We're going to get this thing going. We're going to get to the main event now. I have digressed more than enough. Mili Sashimi and I went and saw Star Wars Rogue One opening night. Had a great time, and we recorded this right after like within I think it was like a day or two after needless to say this was recorded before the news of Carrie Fisher passing and with her mother as well Debbie Reynolds passing the day after it was wow and I'm sure most of you feel the same way so with that let's enjoy Mili Sashimi and I talking about Rogue One. And if you haven't seen Rogue One, well, you know, we gave it a month. So, what? <laughs> All right, enough enough out of me. Let's uh let's get into this. What has the first year been like since you've known what Star Wars is? Have you gotten new jokes? Have you been able to understand new references? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I feel like there have been some things that have happened over the year where you'll look at me and I'm laughing and you're like, you get it, you get it. <laughs> so I remember your reactions to me laughing at Star Wars insider jokes, but I can't think of any specific examples. <laughs> I definitely, you know what? I think since I did that podcast, I know a lot of people have mentioned like, oh, that was really funny. Michelle, you know, didn't know these things. But a lot of um, people have come out of hiding and have ad came, like come to me and be like, thank you for admitting that you haven't seen Star Wars. I haven't seen it either. And you know what? I thought I was the only one. Like I definitely, I, I feel like 
I maybe created some chat groups or something <laughs> and like not that they meet weekly, but like people are are less ashamed to to admit that they haven't seen it and I <laughs> will you admit open the door. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's just I never really thought about it and then people yeah, that was like the one thing that I noticed people would email me and come up to me and tell me about that. And I feel like I have said to them, I'm like, you know what? They are not bad movies. I would watch them again. Although we still haven't watched the prequels. No, which I am really excited to to watch those because I want I want to be part of the trashers a little bit. <laughs> or who knows? Maybe you'll like them. Would you judge me if I liked yes. them? Yes. <laughs> really? But I thought you said one of them was good. No, I would not judge you. There, you, there are moments that are almost good. Almost good in all of them. I'm. Uh, it's been so long since I've watched them. Maybe my dislike of the the prequels has dulled over the years, but I'm finally getting warmed up. I know we talked about it on episode 19. I am slowly open to the idea of rewatching the prequels, especially now because you haven't seen them, so we can watch them together. So I think we'll, we'll definitely have to do that for a future episode. And now that we, we've seen Rogue One it might be cool to lead up to episode eight when that comes out next December 2017 and we can watch the prequels and maybe yeah. do everything. What? Yeah. What do you mean everything? We do the eight movies leading watch up. Watch all eight? Up to episode eight. Because there's... Oh my gosh. There's okay. the three prequels. There's Rogue One. Yeah. Then there's the three original trilogies. And Force Awakens, which would be eight. So it would be eight up to nine. Whoa. Eight of nine. Can I'm, we do that? I'm game if you are. It's going to be a busy time. We that better be, start in like September. That would be pretty, <laughs> that'd be an intense run through. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. I haven't watched them 2,500 times like you have. It's totally cool. And you know what? With Rogue One, which we're about to get into, there's a lot that I I definitely need to rewatch that movie a few times. Yeah, me too. Because there's planets I don't know, I find people's names, all kinds of stuff. We're going to get into all of that. Let's uh let's just jump right into Rogue One then. Initially, what were you expecting going into it? Well, I knew it was going to be a story about the rebels who died and about getting the plans of the death <laughs> Just say it. Just say it. Everyone wants to death hear Death station! <laughs> it's still a death station. I don't care how many Star Wars movies I see. It still should have been called death station. I think a lot of people actually said, you know what? Yeah, death station's a better name. Thank you! <laughs> so the death station, the, they had to get the death station plans. <laughs> so you knew that much. Yeah, but you know, yeah. So I was expecting to see R2-D2. And young Leia. Young Leia, okay. Because this only takes place, I'm trying to figure out exactly in the chronology, but I think it's only like a couple space weeks before <laughs> A New Hope. Maybe even less. It may only be just a couple days. I'm, I'm trying to figure out that exact. I'm sure somebody has figured it out, but it's pretty close to episode four. Well, how did, are we allowed to spoil? Yeah, no, spoil away. Okay. We are spoiling. At the end of Rogue One, we see young Leia. Were they trying to go for the same look as her in A New Hope? Yeah, they tried to make her look like Leia. If you've seen Rogue One, which I assume if you're listening to this, you have. 
Leia is CGI'd in the movie as to mm-hmm. look young because Carrie Fisher was does doesn't not look, look like, like that, that now. <laughs> and I don't think she looked like that ever because it she looked weird. I found that it, I think it's great that they have attempted to do that finally with making humans CGI because we've seen that in other movies. I know uh, the Marvel movies have done that. They did like a young Tony Stark in was mm-hmm. it Civil War. Captain America had like the skinny. Yeah, when he was skinny, Captain yeah. America. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a Terminator movie where they did a younger one of the more the recent Terminator where it was Arnold Schwarzenegger CG on a CGI body, but I found Leia looked weird. Her face was just kind of jiggly, and she kind of looked like a bit of a video game character, a little plasticky. I get why they did it, but it it almost would have worked better if. We didn't even see her face. We saw her from behind. Or they could have made it a hologram. She could have been a blue hologram. Or, you know, you just see her white hoodie and you just hear her voice. So that was a bit weird. Wait, if you're a hologram, can you accept objects? (laughs) No, you got me there. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm asking questions about the world and the rules of the universe. No, I think in the rules of any universe, if you're a hologram, you can't accept objects. Well, um, like, but in Star Trek, when you you kind of look like holog like a hologram before you like move into another world when you uh, when you're beaming. Yeah, when you're beaming. Right. Okay. Well, a hologram. But then I guess that's not really a hologram. It's just you're slightly hologram your before you become being rearranged. Okay. And beamed somewhere else. Okay, got it. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. Is valid, valid. I, you're right. But if it was an actual like when R two projects Leia, that's mm-hmm. just a hologram, which is a recorded message. Or if it's a live hologram, that's just a visual representation of the person being in a different place. So mm-hmm. they couldn't accept a, mm-hmm. an object. <laughs> <laughs> we are so nerdy. So CGI Leia, we weren't crazy about. There was at least one other person who was CGI'd in that movie. Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay. So the actor <laughs> who played him is Bad dead. Guy. Yes. The, oh, he's passed away. He's passed away. So it's a little weird. And they had another actor playing, doing his voice. Oh, really? So I was really? thinking, like, if you're this guy's family, I know they had to get rights from the actual, from, yes. from Peter Cushing's family. But if you're his family, that's going to be a bit weird to see, whoa, they CGI'd him and he's talking but his voice is different so it was a little weird i didn't it even wasn't notice as bad as leia but it did kind of creep me out a little bit right it's funny i i could tell i knew with the young leia obviously they had done something with it it didn't totally bug me i actually kind of liked seeing her face like in the audience i mean in the theater everyone kind of cheered so it was kind of a nice moment i'm not a diehard like star wars fan like you are so i didn't mind it but yeah like obviously the technology isn't there to make her look exactly like a human it was the hollywood moment it was the hollywood moment i I liked seeing 3po and r2 show up like just a quick little nod they probably didn't have to be there but it was just fun it's good you're at a star wars movie i understand they want those connecting threads like in force awakens when they filled it full of easter eggs and this Rogue, rogue one didn't have that as much right well, it did, but you know what? A lot of the Easter eggs are really, they're deeper cuts. There's a few things. Uh, a couple of your buddies from the uh, <laughs> the Mos Eisley Cafe. <laughs> uh, we saw them. The cantina? Uh, yeah, you know, the guy that gets in the fight. You know, my friend doesn't like you. I don't like you. They were walking down the street. Okay. It was like Walrus Man or Snaggletooth, and I think that guy's name is like Dr. Something, and he's got the snouty nose. 
yeah, those guys were in it, and Saw Gerrera, or he's he's a character who's appeared before, but in the cartoon. Oh. Yeah, so there's a lot of Easter eggs that actually carried over from the prequels, oh, since you haven't seen. Yeah, so Saw Gerrera is a character in the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon, and there are also some references to, which takes place during the, the prequel era. Okay. And which I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of, of that show, but I'd, I'd argue that Clone Wars cartoon is almost better than the prequels movies. Oh. But is it still like, does it continue the prequel story? Yeah. Or? Yeah. It oh, does. it does. Okay. So Sagarero's, he's from there. That's Forrest Whitaker's character. Yeah. There were some neat little touches. Like Darth Vader had a castle, and that's an original idea that was scrapped from the original. Star Wars. I think it was in the original Star Wars movie. He was supposed to have a castle. Um, there were some alien species that are referenced. Like there's that blue guy who looks like Admiral Akbar, the fish guy. He was oh yeah, a blue yeah, fishy yeah. Guy. yeah. <laughs> so in he might be a relative of Admiral Akbar. Maybe I'm making up all these like storylines in my head. Ooh, maybe he's Admiral Akbar's <laughs> uncle. He's Uncle Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those are really hardcore like Easter. Eggs. Oh, there's even oh, more. So the Remember the alien rebel guy, the shorter guy mm-hmm. with the gun, and he, he kind of looked a little bit like a, a dwarfy yeah, troll. Yeah, he was crusty, right? Yeah, and I was like, oh, I like that guy. I like that new guy. That's Warwick Davis, a.k.a. Wicket the Ewok, was the actor. Oh, really? Yeah, so he got a little cameo, so there's a nice little like throwback mm-hmm. to him. Yep. Oh, man, there were so many different things. We are bouncing all over the place, so, so Rogue One... You know it's about the rebels going after the Death Station plans. <laughs> <laughs> we can say Death Star. Death Station plans. So we meet Jin Erso. What did you think of her? I loved her. She was so. It was like like Ray. She she, she kind of looked like her. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that was intentional or not. Well, there was a rumor. There was a lot of fan speculation that she was going to be somehow related to Ray, oh. like a potential Ray's mother, maybe. What? That was a rumor before the movie came out. But that was just like total fans. Like, why is the lead character, why does she look so much like Ray? How many but years are between? Exactly. It doesn't quite work unless she had, yeah, unless she. She hooked had... up with someone in prison because she was captured in Rogue One and we don't know why, right? Right. Or how, right. or how, yeah, or how she got there. Yeah. And she's the only. Act- no, but she would have. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's because how old's Ray supposed to be? I don't know. Because I... Force Awakens takes place almost thirty years after Jedi, mm-hmm. roughly. They don't really exactly say, so it's impossible because Ray's under thirty and Jin yeah. dies in Rogue One. Yeah, so, unless she's her grandma. Huh. But then I feel like in Rogue One they would have had to put in some Easter egg that she or alluded to that she had a daughter. Well, she's the only actor in Rogue One who has signed on for a sequel. I'm going to call her. I'm going to predict something. She's going to be in the Han, the Han Solo. Yeah? Well, yeah. She'll like see, meet young Han. And they hook up? And then their Whoa. child is the mother of Rey, making Han raise. No, but Luke's, isn't Luke Skywalker's <laughs> that raised way dad? Off. That's Luke a, Skywalker's raised dad. Right? Well, we don't know for sure. But, you know. Yes. Like, <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink, yes. If I had to bet. Wasn't that what we talked about last yeah, time? Yeah. I If I had to bet, I would say. Yeah, because, like, Ray had all these, like, gen- 
natural abilities, right? That would have had to come from the force was very strong. With yeah, her once it had awoken, and she had no like n- there wasn't no like nurture because her parents had like left her right on mm-hmm. that on what's the name of that desert island? Jakku. Jakku. So sorry, we'll get back to Jin or so real quick. So you liked her? Yeah, I really really liked her. She was awesome. What do you what did you think of her? Yeah, I thought she was she was good character. I liked her storyline. It made sense to me. Her dad gets brought in. It did seem a bit weird that the rebels were so determined to assassinate him. It almost yeah. it seemed very I mean the whole movie that's a, that's a good point. The whole movie is is dark and violent. Mm-hmm. So there there's a bloodthirst pretty much from the from the opening. Uh we saw Cassian and he kills a guy pretty much right off the top. So you were like, "Okay, that instantly separates him from Luke or Han Solo or mm-hmm. or previous lead characters in Star Wars." Mhm. And it also had the dark tone because you kind of knew they were all going to die. Like, I think when you go to watch a big Hollywood movie, you sometimes at the back of your head, like, oh, yeah, they might die, which would make sense. But if, like, the lead character makes it, that makes sense. It was, they went there, you know? Yeah, completely different tone than um, than Force Awakens. But I liked how they had bits of comedy in the writing and stuff. That was really cool. Who, who were the other characters you liked? I don't know what his name is. I just kept calling him Stick because <laughs> we watched Daredevil. <laughs> Stick from Daredevil. Okay, yeah. He's... That guy was badass. I believe his name's Sharut, but they only say it like once. You kind of need action figures to know <laughs> the names of these characters. Like, I don't remember them all. I mean, there was K2SO, yeah. who I'd seen the action figure for, so I kind of, that name stuck to me. But yeah, Sharut and his partner the guy with the giant the backpack and the big gun who i want to be for halloween <laughs> Baze. i loved them they were great um you said that there was something that annoyed you right about stick i liked him but i thought it was a bit over the top of him reciting the forces with me i'm i'm one with the force like him just re- reciting it over and over again it also seemed a bit weird that all of a sudden they just team up i mean maybe they were inclined to be rebels but they just all of a sudden join up this motley crew mm-hmm. you know i mean they went to the prison they go to sagarreras i guess they just had nothing better to do that day and they're <laughs> like or they're just sort of travelers or maybe the force was guiding them i mean that could be a thing yeah i think that was uniting them it was an interesting take on the force having sort of a, almost a religious following so they weren't jedis but they followed the force or at least uh Sharut did where he he worshipped the force all around him, so mm-hmm. he couldn't necessarily channel it like a Jedi, and that is a they're they're based again off a an old Star Wars element from I think Lucas's earliest script, and they're called the Wills, and the Wills were a bunch of people who I believe worshipped at the Jedi Temple and just basically practiced the st- the study of the <laughs> force. I know it's deep. You're like what? what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's it because he's at the start he's almost like preaching and he's he, mm-hmm. he's got some weird telepathy mm-hmm. because he knows who Jin is and what mm-hmm. she's doing there so mm-hmm. and it, like, he's got a sixth sense which could be yeah because as soon as she walked into the market he started calling to her right mm-hmm. when she went over mm-hmm. yeah very cool he was a cool character what do you think of Bodhi Bodhi was fine um I wanted to know more about how and why he defected from from the empire from the empire yeah 
I that was the thing that I was missing. I would say from like um the movie, like I wanted to know how Jin, why she was captured. I wanted to know more about her and Saw Guerrera. Yeah. How they like they had like a falling out, right? And so that was a bit confusing with Bodhi. It was just like why, like you know, oh it was just he randomly promised to take uh, what was it? What well, Galen <laughs> or so. So yeah, Jin's Galen, father. Yeah, I guess Galen or so wound up befriending him and Bodhi wound up feeling bad about being part of the Empire and he said that I'll I'll help you. So he was someone that Galen Urso trusted and he escaped to go find Sagarera. Mm-hmm. And the rebels caught wind of this and they wanted to find out, okay, the desert octopus, what do you think about that thing? Because <laughs> he's like, Sagarera's like, this thing, it will derange you, it yeah. will wipe out your mind. But then the guy's it's like, okay, it gets his mind sucked out by this octopus. Yeah. But next thing you know, it's like, well, oh, he's pretty good at flying still. And Yeah, that was that was what was so confusing. He was in that prison next door, and then they were trying to talk to him, and he wasn't, like, responding. So then you were like, ah, brain gone, like, can't figure out anything. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, it was he was fine again. He's fine. He's naming the movie. Yeah. Rogue One. Exactly. <laughs> Which was kind of cheesy. Yeah. I wish there had been a bit more, I don't know, that just that line kind of was a little cheesy, but I'm not going to nitpick. Is Rogue One, so that's not already part of the mythology? That was new? I'm not sure. I feel like there might have been a video game called Rogue One. There was like Rogue Squadron, but it's, it sounds Star Wars, right? It's very Star Warsy. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, is it like a, like a double entendre with like this movie because it's supposed to be a standalone thing? <laughs> ah. Rogue. <laughs> I don't know. And he was from the night of, Bodhi. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't even put that together in my head. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't figure it out till after. I was just watching it the whole time. I was like, where do we know that guy from? <laughs> now there was another guy that we knew from a TV show. Oh my god. <laughs> Are you talking about Danny? Ben Mendelssohn's <laughs> you, character? You did not like Danny in this movie. Nope. For those listening, uh it was Krennic who played Danny on the show Bloodline. You couldn't you hit me as soon as he came on screen. You're like, It's Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he looks good. Like, he looks, like, if you just looked at him in a poster, you'd be like, yes, bad guy, Star Wars, makes sense. He's got a Star Wars bad guy face. <laughs> Which is, describe it. Well, it just, they were kind of like older white guy looking like Empire. Like, there's something about him. Mm-hmm. Like, there are certain Star Wars faces. Like, we were saying with Galen Erso, he kind of looks like he fits right in. Because mm-hmm. he sort of looks like Liam Neeson mixed with... I don't know, like a hint of you and McGregor. Like there are certain faces yeah. that you see. Maybe like how you, you thought Jin looked kind of like Ray. Yeah. Like there's a certain like this face looks like a Star Wars face. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain Star Wars faces. But sorry, go on. Yeah, so the thing that really threw me off was I felt the actor was going in and out of his accents. So in he's Australian and then you were telling me that most imperialists have a British accent. Yeah, most of the empire is British. The imperialists, <laughs> yes. Yeah. What did I say? The imperialists. Okay. You call them the empire. Call them, it's fine. It's, keep roll with it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and and then in Bloodline, Ben Mendelsohn plays an American from Florida, and I f- it was so jarring to me. It was bugging me so much. I felt like he was mixing up those accents. There, I don't feel like there was a consistency in the way he was speaking. And it, I found that it kept pulling me out of the movie. Yeah, so his Australian accent mixed with his Floridian accent did not make a good British accent. And him trying to 
be, yeah, um, part of the empire, whatever that accent is. Yeah, you know, I didn't mind him. I wish I hadn't seen Bloodline because that's all I could think of Mm -hmm. when I was watching him. He played a typical Star Wars villain, like very evil over the top, but I could. it felt like he almost had a bit of redemption within him. There was a moment when I thought, oh, he's going to feel guilty about killing Galen's wife. But we never really saw that. He had that cheesy scene with Darth Vader. I mean, it was yeah. good. I like Darth Vader using the Force. You know, he's always choking somebody out. <laughs> but then Darth Vader had to say that cheesy. Yeah. Don't joke on your aspirations. Yeah. <laughs> the, had which to. is like, yeah, that's that's for the action figure. Yeah. That's for the memes, for all the posters. Yeah. What was the point of um, Krennic's superior going over his head? Grand Moff Tarkin? Yeah. Well, he's Grand Moff Tarkin. He went on to be in the next movie. <laughs> no, I know, but like plot wise, like what is what was the point where he was like, This is my mission or whatever. Well, Krennic was working on serving under him, right? So mm-hmm. Krennic wasn't as high up as Grand Moff. He wasn't right. at Grand Moff's status. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a Darth. So he just he found out about this whole situation and he wanted to keep it under control and he clearly couldn't. And he winds up getting shot in the back by Cassian, mm-hmm. who also kind of survived falling off that thing. Remember? And then he just showed up. Yeah. That was a little convenient. That was really convenient because, like, they had to, like, jump through that, like, really small vent thing that only opens for, like, two seconds. And if he was injured, had to crawl up that whole thing, like, that wouldn't have happened. So that bugged you a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. The big thing about Rogue One is it answers the question that has been bugging people since the first Star Wars movie. Because Luke is able to destroy the entire Death Star just by finding that one tiny little weak spot. Mm -hmm. So I think that's always been a point of contention for people, Mm -hmm. saying why was the Death Star this easy Mm -hmm. to destroy that this farm boy who used to shoot womp rats could just like (laughs) shoot this thing in? And they're like, well, the rebels got the plans. So with Rogue One, it's explained that, which I think is cool. They've taken this tiny little piece of Star Wars and it's, it's actually, the more I think about it, it's, it's really fitting that this was the first of the n- stories to take place outside of the, the chronology because, yeah, it does answer that big gripe that everyone had. And now it just is like, oh, okay, there's a hole in the Death Star because Galen Erso was trying to stick it to the Empire and figured out this one tiny little thing and snuck in this weakness. Mm-hmm. And I think it really delivered on on everything it promised. I did have a problem with the shields, with that whole scene with the hammerhead maneuver that knocked the Star Destroyer into another one, and then it knocked down on the thing. Yeah. And it was like, well, come on. Because that, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a bit much, but at the same time, that's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to these giant maneuvers happening. I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I definitely got to see it again. I kind of wanted Saw Gerrera to go a little bit further before yeah. he died. Could be an extended version. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we only got a taste. that We met so many new characters in this movie. I think it was really hard for them to dwell too long without slowing down the story. Because, yeah, I'd like to see more of Sharut and, and Baze. I'd like to see, yeah, mm. we want to know more about Jin. And also, like, a little bit more about the Rebels' plan to use Jin as bait to get her. To get her dad, yeah. Because yeah. even when they found out, like even when the Death Star was built, they still wanted to kill her dad, mm-hmm. which seemed a bit much. And they were just like killed no matter what. But then Cassian had like a heart of gold and turned around and didn't kill him. Yeah, the rebels, it was they were a little bloodthirsty. 
Um, what do you think in terms of just sort of the overall, like, there's a lot of diversity in this one, I thought, yes. compared to other Star Wars, which I thought was a really cool representation of, like, yeah, we're in another galaxy. There's, like, every kind of person and alien and, alien and, and animal and everything. And, yeah. like, there should just be, it should be as diverse as possible. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, re- I thought that was really cool. And yeah. It, it was just, like... And good roles, too. Like, not just token roles, I would say, or background characters. Like, they were really strong cool characters like i think anytime i saw a stick i was like yeah (laughs) i was so excited i think i was like that guy is awesome like you just got that right away from the first scene and then he obviously played a huge part with like flipping the switch and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i I would love to see another solo movie with him like Mm -hmm. i think and i think they're gonna be him and Baze, whether yes. they are now there's I don't know, do you what do you think their relationship is? Do you think they're former soldiers together? Do you think they're like married? Do you think they're just best friends? Obviously there's a history there. I think if I had to guess, um I don't think Chirrut was born blind. Like maybe he became blind and maybe um saved Baze's family or I don't know, did something, some sort of sacrifice or whatever for him. And that's why Baze feels so strongly, um, he feels so strong about protecting him all the time. Yeah, there's a really strong bond there. Uh, Cassian, so what did you think of him? Um, I liked him more as the movie went on. At the beginning, I found him annoying. You? <laughs> yeah, I didn't find him to be the best actor at first. But again, he actually looked like a Star Wars character. Yeah. He kind of, there was something about him, a little bit of a scoundrel, a little bit, edgy little bit jinnikerpa uh you had a bit of uh like even with k2so i found his attitude was very much like oh he's kind of acting like other droids we've seen (laughs) yeah yeah no that was good and that was a good um character uh a character feature to put in him where he was just like he just says whatever he's is whatever what what's the sorry what's the characteristic he's like says whatever comes to his mind or whatever he's feeling or no filter no filter yeah like not necessarily that it's the truth. He's just kind of tells it like it is. He says what everyone else is thinking. Or something. Yeah, and that led to more Easter eggs when he's like, never tell me, you know, he leaves, he tells him the odds, and I think it was it Cassian or someone who says, never tell me the odds, which is a famous Han Solo thing. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of little things. And then I think K2SO said, was it him who said, I've got a bad feeling about this, mm-hmm. which is another little nod to, to mm-hmm. Han Solo. So those little things were were... They're fun. You don't need them because they are a bit of a... It's a bit too on the nose. Like, hey, you're watching a Star Wars movie. You've watched (laughs) one of these before. We know. We know. So it's a bit too much, but it's fun when when things pop up. But I thought there was enough new stuff. Like, there were new aliens that we'd never seen. New robots. New vehicles. I like all those vehicles. Like I'm just thinking, like, oh man, if I was seven years old or in my thirties, I would <laughs> buy all these action figures. <laughs> well, now you can. <laughs> oh, I can. I can bring in more. Of course, action. you can. <laughs> I know. Now I, I don't have to just get one for my birthday. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, I'm gonna go buy everybody. You don't need to fake an injury <laughs> for your parents to be like, "Oh, Sean, let's get you something." No, I never faked an injury. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely split my head open, and I got the GI Joe hovercraft, <laughs> and I split it open again because that thing was awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> 
So we covered a lot. CGI Grand Moff Tarkin, Saw Gerrera. Did you have an absolute favorite scene? The, I, I found the fight scenes amazing. Really, really cool. Like, I find sometimes in movies, like, fight scenes are just cut so quickly. I can't tell who's good, who's bad, what's happening. But I found this really, really cool. Mm-hmm. The pacing was really great, but at the same time, I knew what was happening. One of my favorite scenes was Darth Vader. Mm. When Darth Vader, just when he's boarding the ship and and they're all trying to get away from him, that really, that was awesome. That it was, was terrifying yeah, in that scene. It made me think of the Darth Vader I was, you know, you're intimidated by as a kid watching these movies. You're like, Darth Vader's the most evil, like, badass in the galaxy. And they, I thought the way he was handling his lightsaber, it was awesome. So that was really cool. His eyes, they made his eyes red, which was a really classic thing. Like, in a oh. lot of pictures, you see it more black. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, and then there was a scene where Darth... When he's in that tank, it yeah. was like when Luke is in the tank in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I think it's called like a Bacta tank. Okay, someone listening right now is like, it's called a Bacta tank or something. <laughs> I feel like it's called Bacta tank. I'll have to look that up. Um, there's a few. Oman Mothma was in it too. Who's that? She was at the Rebel on the. She's the big Rebel leader. Mm-hmm. She's a woman. She's a non-alien woman. Brown hair, tall, like slender. She's in Jedi, we see her in. Like the white outfit? Yeah, the white robe. Yeah. And it's the same actor who played her in the prequels, but it, who looks a lot like the actor who played her in Jedi, which was older. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see her. I kind of like that little stuff. A little nod to Obi-Wan Kenobi. When Leia, oh yeah, Bellargana, Jimmy Smits. Yeah, he just was in there. Who was he again? He's, well, because you haven't seen the prequels. But he's Leia's adopted father. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. He was in Phantom Menace, which was 2001. So NYPD Blue might have still been on. Well, it ended in 2005, and okay. I definitely feel like it was on more than So I guess years. it was still on. Yeah, it was on in the 90s for sure. Okay, we're getting off track. 93 to 2005. That's <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's how long NYPD Blue ran. <laughs> Fantastic. I told you it was always on. I know it was always on. I watched it. I remember Sipowitz was a big deal. And like Sipowitz, there's some episode where I think he showed his butt and it was like a big deal on TV. There's going to be nudity. And then you're like, I don't want to see Sipowitz's butt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Sipowitz should play comic book guy in the live action Simpsons. (laughs) Okay, moving right along. So Rogue One, final thoughts. It was it was great. It was really really good. I would. I'm curious to know how Felicity uh, Jones is going to be in uh, future Star Wars movies. It was cool. If tone. she is, it might be a prequel. Probably. Oh, okay, right. She. I. I found. Um. I think the movie did feel standalone, which was cool, but also within the universe. Do you think it'd be a good intro movie? Like, if, if someone had never seen Star Wars before, could could they see that? Yeah, I think so. What do you think? Yeah, I do. And I think that's probably what they were going for. Because like you were saying, you've met a lot of people who haven't seen Star Wars yet. Yeah. And they can't just rely on the Star Wars fandom to to see these movies. I mean, they could actually, because that's Mm -hmm. enough to keep it going. Because the Star Wars fandom will watch this movie over and over and over again and buy Mm -hmm. the DVDs and the action figures and the T-shirts and the posters Mm -hmm. and the lightsabers and the Halloween costumes and the candy. Yeah. Or is the fun, though, that... This movie was born out of just a few lines from A New Hope. Well, I think it works either way. That's, I think, 
you could start with this movie, never see the prequels, never see anything else, and then just start going into the trilogy and beyond. So will you see it again? Yeah, I'd see it again, but mostly just to clarify some stuff because they don't really talk about people's names, and I feel like I missed a lot of stuff, especially at the beginning. I found it really picks up um, after Jin like meets up with the rebels and they meet Star, not Star, <laughs> Saw. <laughs> <laughs> I have Star. <laughs> now I can't get Star in my head. I can Star see. Guerrera? Yeah. <laughs> Saw That's Guerrera. good. That sounds like... Uh, a like porn star. Yeah. <laughs> star Guerrera. It does. <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> okay, Please. yeah, sure. I'll, yeah, I'll cut that. What did? What about you? Did yeah, you, I really liked of, it. I didn't I like it as much as... Oh, uh. Out of all seven movies, rank order your favorite. From favorite to least favorite. Well, there's actually eight movies. I keep mixing that up. This is the eighth <laughs> movie? This is the eighth movie. This is the eighth movie. movie, right. There's three prequels, three originals. Force, Force Awakens, Awakens and yeah, this. And this one. Okay, sorry. Okay, wait, let me ask again. So rank order your movies from favorite to least. From favorite to least. All eight. All eight. Um, I would put this as, well, I'd put this as fifth. The fifth? Your most, My fifth your favorite. favorite. Oh, which okay. is high praise, but I, I wouldn't put it above any of the original trilogy, and I wouldn't put it above Force Awakens. I really liked Force Awakens. Um, Where does that fit? Force Awakens might be my second or third favorite. I mean, it's hard to knock out A New Hope, and I love Empire Strikes Back, and Jedi's really awesome, too. <laughs> Jedi has its... You know, there's parts of Jedi that are really, really awesome. The whole scene on Tatooine with Jabba's... You know, we talked about it before, but I... Like, I love that movie. Uh, and Force Awakens is just so good. So I'd have to put the original trilogy, one, two, and three, as first, second, and third choice. Force Awakens, fourth pick. Then Rogue One, fifth. Then the prequels. It's been so long since I've seen them, but I'd probably go backwards. Mm -hmm. So I'd say part three, part two, then part one is the absolute worst. Phantom Menace is the worst Star Wars movie. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Although to watch Attack that. of the Clones has some really bad scenes in it too, but <laughs> I just don't like Junior Anakin. Okay. Oh my. Yeah, we're we're gonna have fun watching the prequels. Cool. Well, thank you for doing this. Thanks. Great. Thanks for listening, everybody. We got Mealy back for more Star Wars. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'd love to know what you think of Rogue One. Yeah. So may the Force be with you. <laughs> I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is Okay, that's the podcast, everybody. We are back on track for 2017. I promise you're going to get more episodes this year than we did last year thanks for tuning in thanks Mealy I hope that was fun go listen to episode 19 if you missed it to hear Mealy's first introduction to Star Wars that was a great episode email us weekendatburgies at gmail.com or wordburglar at wordburglar.com next episode we're gonna try and do a mailbag episode so I'm gonna answer some questions so shoot those our way as fast as you can and yeah, just stay tuned. I'm going to end with a little jam 
by a rapper I know named Epic. He's uh, an old pal in the rap scene, and this is a track off of Basements of Bad Men 3 from Hand Solo Records, which I highly recommend you go get. I'm on there. A bunch of the Backburner guys are on there. You're, you'll dig it. It's, go, go hunt it down. 20 years of Hand Solo Records. It's, uh, it's a momentous compilation and accomplishment. An accomplishation? <laughs> An accomplishmation? <laughs> All right, I'll stop there. Here's Epic with Tourist Trap all the way from Saskatoon. We'll see you soon. Peace. It's 11.30 at night, and I'm uh, rapping from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, thinking of traveling around to places like Compeche, Bonaire, with my mom to play Del Carmen, all sorts of places in the Caribbean. Opens up my mind a little bit. I never thought I'd miss you half as much as I do. And I never thought I'd feel this way, the way I feel about you. Every day on this earth, peace be with me. She told me five days ago she came from Mexico City, Sea of Cortez, City of Juarez. I got an old homie that lived near Laredo. Conversation short, I didn't know the etiquette. She told me she lived six weeks in Connecticut. She said she loved the snow and wanted to go back soon. If you like Hartford, you should see Saskatoon. Walk in chocolates, careful after dark. You're marked for pickpockets if you dress like I do. Black in the summer, hat for the heat. Don't like Saskatoon rap, I'll take it back to the streets. I got a sunburn on my neck as I walk the beach. And parts of my back that my hand doesn't reach. I used to be back by a van, now I'm back by a geek. In the Bay of Acamel, the guards pack heat. I never thought I'd miss you half as much as I do. They wouldn't believe me anyways if I said I used to rap An old ball cap shopping at the tourist trap Put my head down so I can go for a nap Rap is one of my favorite parts of the day Put my head down as I go for a snooze Put my middle finger up as I go for a cruise 43 years old, I got so much to lose Time is running out, I don't got time for running my mouth I do a rap battle running down 95 south Back in the days I started winning a lot Now I plan my vacations around different swimming spots And all sort of turtles that lay their eggs on the beach From the south of Carolina to downtown Myrtle Beach Search the internet for places to sleep And say my words over all kinds of beats I never thought I'd miss you Half as much as I do
This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.